Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. We are back with another exciting episode. We're going to be talking about a lot of basketball today, and we're going to start by recapping the win in Norman against Oklahoma. Texas Tech went on the road and up grabbed the top 15 upset over the Sooners. Uh, it was a great game, a lot of fun. It came down to the wire, as a lot of Big 12 basketball games tend to do. In fact, one of Oklahoma's final shots in an attempt to extend the game was a three-pointer that would have tied it up that went I mean, I, I don't know how close that went to going down, but about as close as a shot can go down without actually going through the net. So a hell of a moment, great game, great team win on the road, despite some shaky play at time. Now, Joe, we're going to start with there, and then we're going to talk about the TCU game, what to expect from the Horned Frogs, etc. But let's focus in on some of the adversity Texas Tech has had to overcome in, this, in these weeks. Texas Tech had some leads in this Oklahoma game. It wasn't quite the comeback that the BYU game was, but Tech did trail, uh, I believe, by as many as 11 in this game and gave up several OU one runs where they looked like they were going to be pulling away. You know, Let's start with that side of things. Tech continues to have to battle. It's a good sign for the fight, but are you a bit concerned by some of the runs and how many Tech really is allowing? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, if you've watched any of their games this year, it's a game of runs. You know, Texas, Texas is a prime example there at the start, weathering a storm there where they came back and started shooting the ball. Then you weathered that storm, were able to gain control of the game, make some buckets when you need to, pull away there a little bit later in the game to solidify that win. You face adversity with Oklahoma State early. You face adversity against Houston early when you guys were kind of going punch for punch there before they ultimately just kind of took you out. The Kansas state game was all adversity, you know, all of these things kind of just bring you to this moment. The BYU game had adversity and just this Oklahoma it's, it's the big 12. That's just how the, how good this conference is. If you don't face adversity in this, in this league, then, you know, it's, you're lucky, I guess, for for ho- however many reasons I could say it, because it's a a tier tier one um, group or however they they market a, a a tier one game kind of deal. So these all these games matter. So the way I see it is, you're going to have to face some adversity. You have to go and win on the road. You're going to have to. It, these are just things that happen in the Big Twelve. Am I concerned? No, I I get concerned over those dry spells and things like to that nature with this basketball program and where you're going to find a bucket. But whenever you don't really necessarily have all of those issues in that particular game, then adversity is part of the Big 12. You're going to have to face it one way or another. There's no escaping it. Yeah, I, uh, basketball is a game of runs, and in any game of basketball, what the best teams can do is take a punch because it's so difficult in, in a lot of games to um, keep getting back up when teams go on these runs. And what the great teams can do is when that happens, they're able to quickly work their way back in the contest, take back momentum, stay steady on their feet. They avoid those knockout shots. Um, I believe I don't remember the statistician who has the kill shot run uh, um, index where he tracks like teams that give up or teams that allow and then go on like 12 plus point runs. But you're avoiding that. Basically, you want to avoid the kill shot. You want to avoid teams just running and hiding away in a game um, similar to what Houston did late. Right. That was a game Tech did not 
fend off the Houston run and they just beat the brakes off of you and ran away and hid with the ball. Um, part of it in, in basketball, the reason why the game is such a game of runs is shooting. It's such a streaky thing. Um, very few teams outside of a handful of the absolute best consistently shoot the ball all the time, like at a high, high level. And as a result, you can get cold in the middle of games, right? Like this isn't the NBA where you're going to score 130 points a night or whatever. You're going to have games where you can't make a shot for like five minutes. In fact, I think during the Oklahoma game, there was a seven-minute stretch. Tech did not score, which allowed OU to look like they were going to start to pull away. Um, To that point, I think Tech had been up eight. Then OU rallied, started playing better defensively. Tech got very cold. You know, you just have to be able to sustain that. It is a little concerning how much this offense relies on, like, the effectiveness of the deep ball. I don't have the stats in front of me to tell you the exact amount of shots taken that are three-pointers but uh, across the season on average, but it's a high percentage, and Tech has played best when those shots are falling. But a couple of games, you've gotten away with wins. The Kansas State game being the best example of a game where you did not shoot the ball well at all and you were still able to find a way to win. But more or less, Tech is a team that relies heavily on – big shots and big moments, as do a lot of teams. But Tech in particular relies a lot on its three-point shooters to make a couple of knockdowns. In this game, Chance McMillan being a guy who really provided a a spark offensively really helped you out when a lot of guys were missing their looks. Um, And that worries me a bit, that you're a guard-heavy team that doesn't do necessarily the best job in tacking the interior, um, which means you are going to have more of these moments where the offense is going cold because you're just going to have teams that really do a good job defending in this conference or you're just not going to make your looks. Like I I saw during this OU game, there were multiple stretches where guys like Pop or Toussaint or or Walton would get open and just could not knock down shots. Um, And and those moments – are going to hurt you in this league and they're going to hurt you in any league, but in the big 12 where everybody's so good, it can allow teams to quickly get back into games when you have these cold stretches. Also, I think it speaks to some issues defensively. I thought that, you know, for a team that doesn't have an interior presence and is a bit thin in rotation, you can see the wear and tear of the defense. You know, uh, there's plenty of time all the guards pop, Tucson, all of them. They look a bit out of sorts, a bit behind the eight ball, they're out of position. They're rotating late. And then you can tell when when Warren's not in the game, we just don't have anything to protect the rim. If it, we get bullied down low. We don't rebound well, which allows second-chance shots. And because we're, we're trying to over, overcommit to stop the larger bigs in this conference, you leave a lot of guys open on the perimeters to get better looks and to start their drives a little bit unmolested. Um, and those two things are worrying. But the biggest takeaway is the fact that you are able to sustain – uh, 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 your effort across these runs. You're able to pick it back up. Really, other than Houston, where you just look tired for that like last you know, 15 minutes of the game, Tech has been able to get back up, catch their breath, and, and go on the offensive pretty quickly after these runs, which has allowed them to overcome these deficits. This is back-to-back games where it looked like you were going to get uh, uh, your ass beat, frankly. like It looked like that. that was, I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure it was seven... Seven and a half minutes, you didn't score. And OU looked like they were just about to bury you, and you were able to battle back into the game, keep it close at half, take over in the second half a bit more. It was a back-and-forth affair, but you, you did a great job never losing contact with Oklahoma when they had their moment, and you took advantage of your moments in big ways. Uh, OU missed a few big shots that I think helped you out in a big way, and, and, and I thought the foul differential in this game and how the game was called overall didn't help the flow of what you wanted to do offensively or defensively. 
But overall, you know, I think the biggest takeaway is just you're tough, but you, you've got to keep locking up the defensive end and work on finding some more looks in the interior offensively to help take some of the pressure off the three-point shooting um, and, and, and the long, like, mid-range jumpers that guys like Toussaint and Pop like to take. Now, Joe, let's move on to the second point I really wanted to get to on this game, which is the defensive side of the ball. It's been a bit of a mixed bag defensively at, at, at times for Tech, but who are the guys that have stood out to you perhaps on the defensive effort? What, what, what are the players that maybe you've been a bit surprised by the level they're playing defensively, how well they're playing? The one that I'm going to say, there's two of them actually. Darian Williams has played solid defense there. Obviously, Joe Tucson is Joe Tucson. If anybody knows Joe Tucson in the Big 12, just what kind of player he is, he's just a, he's just a dog. That's the whole New York attitude. He's just a he's just a baller. Um, but I mean, between Darian Williams and Pop and Pop, those two guys have kind of really stepped up. I mean, if you take a look at the stats from last year and the stats to this year for Pop Isaacs, he was getting blown off of the dribble way too many times. He was getting bodied down low. There was sometimes there where he did, you know, hold his own against, you know, those the guard play that's a little bit around his height and things like that. This year he's elevated it. I mean, you saw the biggest testament to that against the BYU game where he made some very, very big stops there or you know, steals there in the second half. But Pop Isaac's defense is – is got is well far beyond where I thought it would be, and then Darian Williams coming over as that transfer, Coach McCausland's first transfer into his into Texas Tech, um, under his under his watch, has done nothing but great things as well, and he's only going to get better. I mean that size and length that he has, he has above average athleticism. He's going to be a problem in years to come. Not saying he's not good now because he could hold his own, but. Obviously, you know, these games moving forward, the Kansas game, the I mean, any game in the Big 12, it's a big, big game. But these are the guys that, you know, you need to have stepped up. Darren Williams, Pop Isaacs for me, they've played very, very solid defense, especially when they weren't necessarily known more on the defensive side. They were more known for what they were able to do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I will say that, you know, Pop isn't, I would say, the, the, the best defender and probably never will be. He, he both lacks the body to really take the punishment of, like, call it. You know, Pop, Pop reminds me a lot of, like, how Trey Young plays basketball just a little bit. Um, I thought Trey in college, like, took way too many shots. Pop plays more with a, well within the offense on top of being a great shooter. But it's a similar story, I think. Like, he'll be fantastic in the NBA when the defensive, uh, uh, like the physicality of preventing movement isn't really a thing, like when the game opens up a bit. Not that he's playing badly now in college. In fact, I would say he has surprised me defensively. But he just he doesn't have like the body type or the, that kind of athleticism to be like a high-level college defensive guard. But he's made the most of what he can do. He's got good quickness. He's picked up his instincts a bit better. He's active with his hands. Uh, he still gets lost, frankly, but he, I think he's he's 
done a better job both helping direct the defense, which you, communication is so critical, and you can see him out there really trying to be active with telling his teammates where he's going versus where they need to go. And I think he's done a much better job staying within the rotation. But again, right, like you're, you're, you're talking about a guy who's just never going to be a world-class defensive player. It's not his game. It's not everyone's game. And at his size, with his body type in particular, where college guards can be so much more physical downhill – uh, 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 than they do in the NBA where they tend to dance a bit more. I mean, it's just it's just a tough game for him out there. But he's, I think he's been the biggest bright spot defensively. Is he's, he was last season, he was a true, like, complete liability. He did nothing well defensively. If he, you were playing 5v4 because you needed his offense, but his defense was so out of sorts. This year, he's an active member of this defense. He makes good plays. He makes good decisions. I think he helps lead breaks, which is an underrated part of defense, that first outlet pass, where do you go with the ball? It's just all around better. He is, without a doubt, the most improved defensive player on this team. Um, I've been also pretty impressed with Carlin Walton's defense. Uh, I, I think for a guy that like is, again, not known for his defensive effort, he has really done a good job moving in the defense. And that's critical, right? Because I, I don't really know what's happened to Lamar, but he just hasn't looked good this year. Um, just overall has looked like out of sorts in this rotation. So Walton's kind of been playing a lot more minutes. He's been more critical to the offense. He's also been basically your 5-6 man. Uh, um, you know, with with the injuries you sustained. So the fact he can stay on the court and be helpful defensively is pretty important. You're just not great defensively this season, and that's all right. Without When you're playing with one true rim protector at all, you're playing a lot of guards with a lot of minutes. You're playing a lot of shooters. It's expected to see some some drop in defensive ability. I've been impressed overall by the effort, though. It's not for lack of trying that this defense has struggled. It's just a lack of like defensive instinct and maybe a little bit of lack of defensive ability that's hurt Tech in, in big moments. Um, you know, this is not like the the the, the Chris Beard level defenses with the original uh, you know uh, Iron Donut of Mark Adams. This is this is you know a, a defense that is doing its best to play hard play together and just scrape by. Um, I don't know where you rank defensively, but it, you're, you're, you're not bad. You're right where you need to be. You're good. Okay. There's just, there's moments you can tell like against OU and a lot of these stretches, you could see it. Guys were just not where they were supposed to be, or they got beat on drives. Tech gets beat on head up drives a lot or the rotation slow. So, you know, those are things you continue to work on because the bright side is you can teach defense to anybody. And again, some guys are never going to be like world-class defensive athletes. Pop is probably never going to be a world-class defensive athlete, but you can teach it as long as the effort's there. And overall, I think that's, that's been impressive is with a team that frankly should not be good defensively. You've been able to do a decent job and you've even found ways to win at times where the, the offense just really wasn't clicking. Biggest example, again, being that Kansas State game. But against Oklahoma, you know, you had to sustain some punches to get back into the game, which means you're making defensive stops in order to get back into, into, the, uh, into the flow of the game, give your offense a chance to get righted. So very happy overall with the effort. Just hope as we continue to go that the uh, uh, kind of rotation keeps coming together. Now, I didn't want to spend too much time on the Oklahoma game um, just because, you know, we got a big contest with TCU in basketball. It's hard to learn too much in one game, but it was a fun contest. I watched it with my brothers. My brother is an Oklahoma grad. It was actually his birthday like two days before, so we rallied up at his house to watch. So that, that was a lot of fun for the family. But it was a great win, a great team win, and it sets up a big date with the TCU Horn Frogs. 
Joe, TCU is having a pretty good year. Um, like everybody, in the, like every night in the Big 12, it feels like no matter where we look, it's a top 25 matchup or it's a scrappy, you know, unrated team that's probably just on the precipice of the top 25. So this this conference just sucks. I mean, like TCU's toward, not even towards the top end of this conference, somewhere more towards the middle, and it's going to be a hell of a war in this game. Um, what are you thinking about the Horn Frogs? They're 15 and five overall, uh, according to uh, I, I, I guess what is it like ESPN Analytics? I think it's called FPI or whatever on the football end. But TCU is a is a 68 percent and a half. Uh, 68.5% chance to beat Texas Tech. This game is on the road. We all know how hard it is to win on the road in the Big 12. Tech has a couple of huge road wins in Norman and in Austin, but they got to do it again in one of the ugliest venues on the planet. I hate that court for TCU. Let's start breaking down the Horn Frogs. What are some of the things you look at in this game right off the top where you know you, uh, anybody watching should be aware of the matchup and Tech ha- will obviously be circling these matchups as critical ones? Well, there's a, a two part. It's one player, and then how um, TCU runs their their offense. I mean, Emmanuel Miller, six seven, big guy, run the court, and he's their he's their heartbeat. You know, he's their he's their Keenan Keenan Evans. He's their you know Max Abesmith. And there's he's their you know he's their their guy. And then the tempo, obviously the tempo of this, of this TCU Horn Frog team is just top notch. They, they run, they're going to run and they're going to run some more. And guess what? They're going to keep on running. This is what they do. High tempo offense. This is a, where we're going to have to get back on defense. If we get a long rebound kind of shot, they're kicking it up the floor and it all goes through Emmanuel Miller and or Jameer Nelson Jr., these guys are the the guys that push the tempo and make it very very difficult for you to get in your set defense. You're playing and they're running full speed at you. You're backpedaling. It's just going to be one of those games where you have to be fully alert of everything that's going on around you. You're going to have to be on the gas just as much as they are. You're going to have to take care of the ball like you have been because this could be a track meet ultimately if you let it become one. The speed and the, the the speed of TCU causes problems. Just for example, I guess if you're comparing it to something, just think of the old Bob Huggins press defense. They were going to press you the entire game, whether you liked it or not. And some teams would fold, some teams would rise to the occasion. But ultimately, they were going to go and do this the entirety, the stretch of the game, to make sure that you you are fully in your set defense or or not nah, I'm sorry to make sure that you fully don't have the opportunity to get set in your defense and cause all kinds of problems with that kind of speed that's the first thing that jumps off of the tape whenever I watch TCU play currently yeah what jumps off to me is again speaking to the strength of the league TCU's taken some tough losses, but they've also got some of the better wins in conference play. Wins over Baylor, wins over Houston. They also beat Oklahoma. Um, granted, I believe, yeah, all three of those. No, Baylor was on the road. Oklahoma and Houston were at home. But the, that speaks to, like, the kind of caliber of team we're playing. I think TCU is probably five or six in this league. Maybe could get to four. I, I don't know where they currently are in the standings, but as we continue to shake up and go down the stretch, this is going to be a tough, 
tough team to beat, especially at their place. Um, what I think what I think the most about TCU is they could beat you in a lot of ways. A lot of their scores in this year have been uh, uh, all over the board. They've had some great defensive efforts, some great offensive efforts. They got good players. I mean, this is a team that's going to be tricky to handle on any given night, let alone in their uh, on um, their home court. Miller is their both leading scorer and top rebounder. Whenever a forward. You know, that kind of like combo guard forward thing as your leading scorer. That worries me for Tech because that's size, that's strength, and that's something Tech, I mean, let's just be frank here. You, you, you just don't really have that. He's 6'7". He's a big kid. He's a great. He has, uh, uh, he's very active. He's got a great shot. Um, he's both great from beyond the arc with a th- over 30% free three-point percentage and great in the interior. Um, he's a dangerous player. That is the, the, the one you look out for most. But one of the names that I saw off this list that I want to I want to see the most of is you got to be wary of Anderson. He leads their team in assists. Um, he also has uh, – uh, he also averages 10 a game. Why I look for guards who lead, uh, lead in assists is when you're averaging four assists a game, that's going to be a focal point of their offense when distributing the ball. To you, though, I think you, you'd be remiss if you didn't talk about the coaching – Joe, Tech fans are not the biggest fan of the man in charge against TCU. I think it's a fair time to remind everybody. What gives your take? What are your thoughts on the head ball coach over at the Horned Frogs? My take is I put him kind of in the realm in the same category of where I put uh, Mr. Goodman. Um, you know, the 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 Tech hater, the the beard praiser, that kind of you know, that's kind of what my feelings are for him. I don't really care too much for him. Hate the slick backed hair, hate how he carries himself. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened where things were said last year with a, a player that I don't remember the exact situation, not exactly, you know, the, the good out of Jamie Dixon. I just, I don't like him, man. I, I really don't. He's got a punchable face. Like you just want to hit him. And I, I don't have anything good to say about him. Obviously his teams are tough and that's just because he's, he's a, a okay coach for some reason. I just, it's hard for me to be complimentary to this guy. I just, I don't, I don't like him. He's just, he's a prick. He looks like a prick and he looks like he needs to get hit in the face. That's all I got to say about Jamie Dixon. Yeah. Coach Dixon is not my cup of tea. There's been some moments. I don't remember what year this was, but he has a habit of like coming out onto the court. Um, he's always very vocal and whiny. He's just not my favorite. I don't think he's a great X's and O's coach. Granted, let's be clear here. I don't know a lot about like the history of TCU basketball, but this is probably the best they've been consistently. Um, but they've had some real stinkers of years under him. I'm surprised he survived this long. I will give credit to the Horn Frogs overall as a team. You know, the win over Baylor in triple overtime, that's fantastic. You know, beating Houston, beating Oklahoma. But I, I can't stand Jamie Dixon. You know, he is without a doubt the guy I dislike most in the conference now that Chris Beard was rightfully run on Austin. So, you know, it, it, I, I, I like to talk about this just because there are not many coaches in the Big 12 that I think people don't respect. I don't respect Jamie Dixon. Um, Jerome Tang has had his moments this year, Rodney Terry. But overall, in terms of sheer body of work, Jamie Dixon is a guy I really don't like. That ball coach over there is not my, not, my, not our friend, and we are not his on the South Plains. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. I think that's a fun storyline whenever these two teams get together. And what is a pretty heated rivalry. Now, Tech has dominated this rivalry in basketball most years, uh, especially lately. 
But look, if we look at common opponents, which I like to do because it's not the greatest indicator in basketball, but it does help a bit. They've got the win over Oklahoma. They've got the win over Houston. Um, and that's our only two common opponents here. And Tech got floored by the Cougars. So we're talking about a team that can clearly play ball. Now, I think that U of H team they beat was reeling a bit after a tough loss to open Big 12 play. It was a bit on its heels. They are now playing like one of the best teams, if not the best team in the nation. Probably not that fair. But that Oklahoma win so really solid at home, a nine-point win. Joe, let's start getting into this a bit more of the meat. Who – you're talking about a tough team. It's a team that's got some big wins under their belt. It's a team that's going to be tough to beat on the road. You're going to have to fight the officials. And, I mean, there's probably going to be 65% of the stadium full of TCU fans, I'd imagine, minimum. I'd imagine there's like 40% tech fans considering. But still, it's going to be a tough out. Let's start getting in the meat of this game plan, though. You look at the, how TCU's performed to date. Who are the guys on Tech's team that have to play the best to counter what TCU wants to do here? Um, I'm going to just start off with Kerwin Walton would be this first player, Warren Washington and Darian Williams. Those three, I would go put that in order of, of importance, Kerwin Walton, Warren Washington, and then Darian Williams. Not to take anything away from this TCU team because they do have some solid wins under their belt. As you just said and stated, um, they do have a whole lot, a whole lot of, of guys who have been playing basketball a long time. Travion Tennyson, Jameer Nelson, you have Micah Peavy, ex-tech guy. You have Avery Anderson, who came over from Oklahoma State. These are all guys who have played meaningful minutes in college and some in the Big 12. So these guys are all accustomed to these night in, night, these night in, night out games where it's, you know, a dogfight, top 25 matchup, you know, who's going to win, who, where. And I just think that Kerwin needs to have a big game. Obviously, he fouled out against Oklahoma, only had the three points there, that that single three-point shot. It was a real, real tough night for him. I expect him to truly have a bounce back. And this is, he's going to be called upon because I'm sure they switch just as much on offense as we do. So they're going to be looking for those mismatches, and he's going to get caught on one of those six, seven guys, either Miller or Trevian Tennyson, and it, he's going to have to hold his own. This is what this is what they do. Whenever they run their set offenses, we're going to need them. Darian Williams is going to be caught a lot, and then Warren Washington is is tasked with stopping Kansas transfer Ernest Ernest Uday, or I don't remember how to say his last name to be completely honest but he's the transfer that came over from kansas these guys all have talent and they all have experience and the, the core members of our starting five are going to need to be big i'm going to give you one one more player who's going to need to have a big game and he comes off the bench and he's our like our last remaining kind of a big coming off the bench and that's robert jennings he's going to have to play some meaningful minutes he's going to have to give our starters our bigger starters a blow and he's going to have to hold his own out there because we're really going to need him when, whenever this game comes down to it, I expect it to be one of those kind of nail biters or come down to the last five minutes of the game. And Robert Jennings minutes are going to be crucial in this game for the red Raiders to come out with a win. Yeah. I, I I'm not going to pick one player in general, but I like that Robert Jennings pick because I'm going to say that the critical 
side of this game is the bench. Um, TCU is a pretty deep team. They run, I believe it's nine guys over 14 minutes. Um, they, 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 they're very balanced outside of the, they only have one player who's averaging over 30 minutes a game, which is Miller, which is expected. He's their best overall player. Everybody else is sub 30. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys who are averaging just under 10 or higher minutes per game. That depth is going to be a big factor in this, and that means Texas Tech's bench has to step up. Um, Tech, for its part, does not have quite as much depth. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys, I think, who are 10-plus minutes. Um, and then there's a huge drop-off in minutes. Jennings is that guy that I think can play along with Washington, um, Lamar Washington, who are two guys who are going to be really, really important. Um, Walton, of course, being a big part. He's a starter, but he, he kind of plays of your starting group most weeks. He plays the lowest minutes. Um, you know, it's 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 tough, right? Like with the loss of Cambridge, you're just a thinner team now, which means the bench has to perform. And let's be clear here: Robert Jennings just is Robert Jennings and Lamar Washington are getting on the court and not scoring, and that's something I would love to change. I hate when you have to go to guys to get some depth, get some help, and they're just not productive offensively. Um, Look, when you play teams like TCU that have got a lot of talent, they got a lot of depth, it is critical your bench performs. That's something to watch. Watch the bench points total in this game. Um, if you have a good night off your bench, I think Tech can be right in this. If you have a bad night off your bench, you could get a bit run down against the TCU team that comes at you kind of in waves. Um, they got a lot of guys who are going to be coming at you. One that I always like to highlight, I did not even know he was still in college. It feels like a million years ago. Micah Peavy is still with the Horn Frogs. Joe, I always I like to get you, get an opinion here. Because, you know, at this point, I think most of the hurt feelings that might have occurred over this are gone. But overall, it's, it was one of a few of the more um, significant transfers in conference, the other being McCuller for Tech Basketball. You know, we see, we've seen him several years now. I, again, I thought he had graduated. I did not realize he was still in college. Um, I thought he would have left by now. I, it feels like a, a lifetime ago that Micah Peavy was a Red Raider. Let's talk about that, though. How do you feel about Peavy over there? Um, are you rooting for him? Or are you just, you know, I, trust me, as a Horn Frog hater, I say this with all love. Or you just hate the Horn Frogs enough to say, screw him, hope he sucks, stay healthy, but play bad. I'm at the stay healthy and play bad. And nothing against Michael Peavy. I think this had something to do with his dad and all of the transfer stuff, whatever, getting closer to home, whatever. That That's all done over in the past. I don't wish ill will on him. Just like I don't wish ill will on a lot of these transfers that have have left tech in the last couple of years, given, you know, the turmoil that the program has been in. He was a four star guy out of Duncanville. He was he was a solid player in high school. It took him a little bit longer to progress on the college level, but it seems like this year he's having his best year statistically and actually finding his role on the defensive side. You know, he. He's playing, like I said, his best basketball that he's played in college. I hope he doesn't get hurt. I just hope he has a bad defensive game and that just, you know, opens up some of our shooters out there. I just want him to to play subpar in this game and then resume being, you know, an even kill on the rest of the year, you know, until they come back and travel to Lubbock later on in the year. But like I said, there's no there's no hard feelings to him. I don't hope he gets hurt. In this game, I don't hurt hope anything bad for him. Like I said, I just think he was stuck between a rock and a hard place with the whole situation here um, with Mark Adams, the Chris Beard situation, all of that stuff um, when that took place. So 
No hard feelings for him. He's playing really good right now for this Horn Fog team, especially on the defensive end. I just hope he has an off night tomorrow. Yeah, I, I mean, I think McCuller rubbed Red Raider fans a bit more the wrong way. I just like talking about these interconference transfers when they come up because it's, it's something that is a part of basketball uh, more than football, and it's it's a big part of, like, the recent Red Raider history. McCuller uh, uh, being, you know, over at KU, PV and um, Shannon being over at Illinois. Like, those were three big-time athletes who left your program in the last few years for various reasons and varying levels of, of – I think appropriateness, but the, the end of the day, I don't ever wish any player to get hurt. And honestly, it's been now long enough. And, you know, he, frankly, he's just not quite good enough for me to really feel that bad about the fact he's not here and that tech is going to see him again. Um, I will say, I just, I hope overall that the red Raiders take him out of the game, beat, beat him. It's always a bit more satisfying to win against those guys, but you know, it's, 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 Whatever his reasons for transferring were, whatever actually happened behind the scenes, whatever he says to the team, the most important thing is just getting a W over, over a rival TCU more than it is about beating the individual. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a tough matchup, though, which is why I want to switch to your keys to the game here. just wanted to briefly mention that because it is a storyline every time. And I don't know who's on the call, but if it's Fran Franchilla, we'll hear it about 5,000 times that Micah PD used to be a Red Raider. So, Joe, let's get to your key to the game now that we've cleared some of the sillier, or not silly, but some of the uh, the, the other storylines outside of the court. Let's talk now keys to the game. What are your two biggest things Tech has to do to get yet another road win? There's two. Uh, one of them they've been consistently doing um, over the course of the Big 12 um, play there is uh, limiting turnovers because the amount of fast breaks with this team and how this Jamie Dixon um, basketball team runs the ball and presses tempo. I believe they, they score the most points in the big 12 as it sits sitting at close to 80. If you're going to want to come out of this game with a victory, you're going to have to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 to 70 to where you could take 10 points off the board and you could feel comfortable and potentially going into Fort Worth and coming out with a win. So limiting turnovers is obviously my number one because they've been doing it as well. And I have my number two is making the shots at the rim and rebounding. This tech team has struggled mightily. Coach McCaslin has said it himself that this team is just not very good at rebounding the ball. Obviously, taking extra shots and opportunities away from the opposing team to put points on the board is massive. And it continues with this. You have to have a solid rebounding game. You have to be able to make those point blank shots at the rim. Tech has missed quite a bit of those more than I could remember in recent memory of not being able to finish at the rim or around the rim whenever the opportunities are presented down there to, you know, get some cheap points or, you know, exploit a mismatch, whatever the case may be. But it's just one of those things that they've just haven't been able to fully do. So limit turnovers, as always, your fundamentals. That's what this coaching staff preaches. Rebounding the ball, getting up there, giving the ball back to our offense in order for us to potentially slow this game down a little bit, get into set some set offenses, do some good offensive plays, move the ball around, kill some clock, slow this game down a whole lot. And then just making the easy baskets whenever they're made for you. 
And then my last one, I guess, would be my my A, my B or whatever pick would be just, you know, continue to shoot um, great from the free throw line. Those on those road games, you know, those points, you know, we were one missed free throw away from that game in Oklahoma going to overtime at any given point in time. That three pointer counted there at the end to where the game ended at 85 to 84. You miss one of those free throws during the part of the game or any part of the game, then that could come back and bite you late. So just, you know, another thing, just be steady and consistent at the free throw line along with everything else I just said. Yeah, I think you bring a good point about the turnovers. Um, For me personally, one of the things I think is most important in this game is it's something I saw against OU. I talked about a bit earlier. Be together on the rotation. You've got to stay together defensively. You're up against a team that likes to push. You're up against a team that is good offensively. Excuse me, offensively, which means that you can't make things easy on them when you've got your half-court defense set. Tech has done that at times this year where they, frankly, have made it easy for teams. They've made it easy for teams to get uh, open looks. They've made it easy for teams to find holes in the defense and allow quick, easy little you know, darts towards the lane, little in, uh, inside passing, and then straight-line drives because the rotation's late. You know, all of this – you cannot do against on the road and expect to win many games. Um, and this conference, you know, it's tough, 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 tough to win on the road. Granted, Fort Worth is kind of your backyard, so I expect a pretty friendly crowd. But all things considered, it's still tough to win on the road, and it'll be tough to do it if you're giving up, you know, 20 points off of, oh, I just lost my man, or I was a step slow, or I, I got, you know, confused and lost the rotation, or et cetera. And that happens week after week for this Red Raider defense. You have to keep cleaning it up, keep working on it. Um, My second biggest key to the game is I think that offensively you have got to be, and I talked about it last week, you got to know where you're going with the ball. Whenever you take a drive, whenever you're looking around, know where you're going with the ball, be decisive. I think during the scoring drought that happened against Oklahoma, a lot of what was going on were guys were not being decisive. The offense got bogged down. They weren't sure where to go. They weren't making heads-up passing. They weren't driving with purpose, with the intent to kick out. And, you know, part of it was just some missing some shots. But you just have to be very decisive offensively. Know what you're going with the ball. You know, you talked about finishing at the rim. You want to get looks at the rim, attack with purpose, find the man who's going to rotate, give it the ball up, and get beat the rotation. You know, that's how you can get straight line drives without getting contested. OU beat the hell out of Tech at the rim with big-time shot blocks and stuff. And a lot of that was because the only thing Tech seemed to want to do during stretches of this game was challenge a shot blocker head on. And the reason they were doing that is because they weren't looking for the next pass. They weren't looking to drive with purpose. They weren't looking to do anything besides um, cause trouble for themselves with these drives. So, you know, you have to be smart. You have to play smart. um, And that starts with knowing where you're going with the ball almost as soon as you catch it. Look, get a feel for where the defense is, figure out where you need to be, then go from there. Now, Joe, what's, what's do my favorite part of the show, which is calling your shot. Tech goes on the road against the Horned Frogs. It's a venue that they are very familiar with. They'll have a lot of fans there. Do the Red Raiders pick up yet another top 25 win on the road, or are they going to fall in Fort Worth? You know, this one's very hard for me for <laughs> many of reasons because every every away game that Tech has had, I've called a loss but a close loss, you know, with the exception to the Houston game. So the Houston game we ultimately did lose, but every other – away game that I picked tech to probably fall in that game, but in a close 
type matchup in the Big 12, I was wrong. So I'm kind of in this rock and hard place. I'm superstitious through and through as an ex-athlete. These are just things I don't I don't know what to do in this particular situation. Um, but let's just go ahead and I'm going to put it out there because this is going to be more of a home game than a lot of people think. Tech in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, that's a huge, huge following there. I expect it to probably be closer to 50-50. If I had a guess there on how this game, um, the attendance for this game goes, especially how well Tech has been playing in the Big 12 thus far, top, top 25 matchup, I think Tech does enough to go into Fort Worth and come out of a win go to 6 and 1 in the Big 12 coming home to face the Cincinnati Bearcats on Saturday. I would agree here and I think that the Red Raiders are just, you know, of all the road venues for them to get wins at, this is the easiest one because like you said, it's going to at least be 40% Tech fans. It could get to 50, it could be a majority, you know, and that has happened in Fort Worth. Um this is a venue you're comfortable in, and this is a team that you just kind of had their number a lot. And I, I just don't like Jamie Dixon, don't believe in him as a coach. So, you know, I'm going to take the Red Raiders getting this win, continuing to hold their serve in the Big 12 on top. Um, you know, was one of the most likely outcomes for Tech to be fighting for first place in the Big 12 all this late into the year? I mean, we're closing on the halfway point. No, but you're there. It's happened. So now take advantage of it. You just need a few more wins to even lock up NCAA eligibility. Um, I think if you get to 19 or 20, you're basically a lock in this league to play in the tournament. So like you're already on the doorstep of getting that done. This would be another great resume point. Um, the schedule sets up favorably down the stretch for you to actually make a run at the Big 12 title if you get this win. So yeah, you're heading home against Cincinnati. I think you get this win to set up a great date with the Bearcats. Um, and that will bring Texas Tech, you know, full circle on the rebuild, I think, a bit here. You know, like Grant McCaslin getting that win in front of the big alumni base, I think will regalvanize this program in a big way, regalvanize the fan base in a big way, and continue to remind folks that things are different now, um, that this team is back to the ways of winning and being consistently in the dance and being a consistent player in the conference, which you were, you know, under Chris Beard. So, you know, like we, th- this is a big moment for the program. It's a big win to get. You love beating TCU. You love to get the win in front of your alums. You'd love to get the win um, over a top 25 team. So I think they get this one done, and Texas Tech takes the W. Now, that'll be the end of our show. As always, folks, like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is, on whatever major sure podcasting platform. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back. We're going to try to set up an interview for Cincinnati, but if not, we'll be back with a preview of the Cincinnati Bearcats talking about what they do best and how Tech can beat them. And hopefully we'll be recapping a win over the Horned Frogs. Reckon, guys, enjoy the rest of your week.